Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Got karma? <laughs> karma, karma. It starts with a K or something else. Hey, uh, welcome to the show tonight. Um, yep, it's yours truly again. Um, when you have podcasts, you have to roll with the punches. Um, I'm always thankful to pause. I'm always thankful to pause and think of the many, many years of interviews we've done on this podcast. Hundreds and hundreds of episodes. We crossed the 500 episode recently. And I actually was on several podcasts before this one uh, 13, 14 years ago. (laughs) And I I sit and think of that, that I've been podcasting so long. And boy, did I, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming in my life. I'm uh, I'm stoked about tonight's topic, the many faces of karma, and tonight it's yours truly, the many faces of karma. It's a uh, man. It it's uh, a never-ending unfoldment, so to speak. Certainly, I think there's an end to it, in a sense that. Um, you reach a destination, so to speak, but then you have free will and you turn around and go back into the karma. <laughs> free will thing. That's a slippery fish. Who was thinking of that? Free will. Holy cow. Um, I'd like to pause and thank Susan. If you've been a guest on the show, you certainly talked to Susan. She makes the world go round here at the New Human Living Podcast. She 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 does a lot. And I very much appreciate the many years, I don't know how many years we've been working together, eight, nine, something like that. And uh, I just wanted to, to take a moment and thank Susan for all that she does. If you're a if you're a publisher that wants to get an author on the show, you've dealt with Susan. If you're a an author or a, a guest that's been invited, you've dealt with Susan. She just she she's fantastic at managing details. <laughs> so so I don't have to. And I very much appreciate that. Thank you, Susan. The many faces of karma. So let's, I mean, I always like to kind of get on the same plane filled with terms that we use because, I mean, it's a global podcast. We've interviewed people all over the world, and the idea of karma might be a little different um, in India than it is in the United States. Uh, Another shout-out to India. Your numbers are bumping up yet again. I appreciate that. But... Let's. I know we're going to run out of time, so let's just get to it. So what is karma? What's karma? I would. I, I like really simple definitions. Your, I would say karma is your past, anything from your past that's influencing the present. Your karma is anything from your past that's influencing your present, the present. And and I know there's, I mean, um, who's uh, okay? By show of hands, who's been able to kick their oxygen habit, right? Who's been able to give give up breathing? Show of hands, yep, yep. Now scuba diving doesn't count. I mean, your body needs oxygen 
do you have a karmic relationship to something that if if you can't sustain your supply of it, you die? Um, yeah, that would probably fit on some level. But the oxygen in and of itself, or you could even say the human genome design that has oxygen as a a fundamental aspect to the the whole rodeo working, I would say we all have a karmic relationship to oxygen. And and certainly it's been in our past, but it's kind of a it's kind of an indifferent thing playing around with with the definition of karma. But um I've been I've been studying the human psyche, the human genome for a long time now, 25 plus years. And I tell you, I'm I'm learning stuff now. I mean, <laughs> when I was 40, I thought I knew what was going on, and now I'm in my 60s and I'm like, "Holy cow, there's a whole there's another tier to this. There's a whole there's a whole another aspect to karma, but let's get to it. It's been said that all suffering is a product of the mind. I think it perhaps was Buddha that said that. Um, the, the mind, I'd suggest the mind is a key element to our relationship with karma. Well, what about emotions? I mean, road rage. I mean, somebody cuts them off and whoosh, here comes this avalanche of emotions pouring out of the persona. What the hell? Isn't that those, aren't those emotions a karmic attribute? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I would suggest that our mind, our mind is a pinnacle attribute to our ability or inability to navigate our accumulation or discharge or cleansing of our karma. And uh, so imagine... um, uh, there's a topic you have a, you have no association with um, underwater welding. It's probably a pretty safe one to choose. Underwater welding. You're indifferent in this moment. You're indifferent. So what? Uh, uh, of course, I'm making assumptions, but. You know, when I weld underwater, I like to use the the Hamilton 702 stick. Uh, the, the performance of that is just, uh, it's untouchable. That 702 stick, that's a fine product for underwater welding. Well, yeah, you don't have any skin in the game. You don't have an emotional reaction to that in general. But now you go to welding school, and then you go to underwater welding school, and and now you're you're you click off a few years, maybe a decade, and now you know your stuff. Now you know your stuff. Now you know where does knowing come from? Our mind. Now you have you have a relationship with underwater welding. And if I say, well, you know, that 702 stick, that's 703, whatever, that's the stuff. And you're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. See, there's a reaction. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The the Farkleton 307 is, is a much higher performance. There was a reaction to underwater welding. And where did it come from? It came from our minds. Well, wait a minute, that was an emotional reaction. Yep, pretty much, yep. Um, 
But our mind, had our mind not engaged underwater welding, we'd have no skin in the game. We'd have no reactive pattern. It's our emotions, I would suggest, are they're really indifferent. I've shared many times when I got cracked open and I'm on the couch and all this emotional energy is pouring out of my body 25 plus years ago. There's an immense amount of emotional energy pouring out of my body. And it it wasn't triggered. It's not like I was in, the emotion was anger and it's not like I was in a bar fight or some kind of heated argument. It was like some magical valve in my psyche opened up and whoosh, here comes all this emotion. And while this emotion is streaming out of me, I'm like, who are you? What are you? And the anger was like, I don't care. I don't care. I, the, um, the emotion itself did not have a motive or posture. Here is an immense amount of anger pouring out of my psyche. And in the moment, I'm like, what the hell? What, 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 where, where, who, who are you? What are you? And, and the, the emotion itself is like, meh, whatever. I have no bias as to how you experience me. And I think that's a really important point. But had I got triggered with anger in an argument, my mind would have a memory. My mind would have a memory about the consequences of the feeling of the emotion. My mind would have a memory of the consequence of the feeling of the emotion. So my mind is making an association. So I I go back in my childhood and I'm the last of seven and dad's a World War II vet and something's tripped him off and he's flipping mad. Well, in that moment, my mind made an association with the feeling of emotion, the feeling of anger. My mind associated duress on my mother's face, worry and concern on my sibling's face. And my mind made that association of what it saw with the feeling of anger. But the anger in and of itself didn't care. You know, we're we're gonna talk a lot <laughs> we're gonna talk a lot about early childhood. I tell you what. Talk about um karmic posturing and we'll we'll talk about other aspects of karma, but in that moment my mind has a difficulty. There's duress. There's uh, intensity in the household. There's um, everybody becomes guarded. And my mind sees this happening in my, in my family members. And my mind makes the association that when the feeling of anger comes up, bad things happen. Anger in and of itself has no association that anger creates bad things happening because anger can be a very positive, very powerful, positive tool, emotion. But in that in that early childhood, I mean, if you think about it, um, you're young. Uh, think about your family of origin. Maybe uh, three or four years old. What emotions in your family of origin cause the most intense emotional re 
action in your folks. And and I tell you what, the, this can be as diverse as life itself. You might have got slapped upside the head if you talked at the dinner table. Your family might have been musically inclined and loved improv creation where you would all just spontaneously start playing a new song, laughing and giggling. Those are emotions. Those are positive emotions. But what what were the core emotions that triggered your parents? A lot of times you can think of How did your parents behave when company came over? The neighbors are sitting on the couch in the the living room and you come up in your boisterous self, which is fine any other time, and you start talking loud and your parents look at you with laser eyes that could cut you in half. You're like, what the hell did I do? The... um, For myself, I installed a subconscious mechanism that kept anger off my radar. Kept anger off my radar. Does that mean it kept uh, anger out of my experience? Oh, no, it doesn't mean that at all. But this mechanism kept the anger from making it all the way I guess I'll use the term up to my conscious mind. So when I would, uh, my brother rips up my uh, favorite poster and I, and the, the feeling of anger comes up, it would be pushed into my subconscious because I couldn't risk triggering anger in the family household. And this mechanism over decades loaded my psyche up (laughs) and my body was shutting down. I started to get ulcers. I had digestive tract problems. My, My life was getting smaller and smaller, so to speak. And that's what put me on the couch. On a psychiatrist's couch where we finally connected with this lifetime accumulation of anger And when the anger finally comes out, it's like, I don't care, whatever. I've been posturing with anger my whole life, and the anger didn't care. I was mentally in a reactive pattern with the emotion of anger. My mind had had formed an association with the feeling of anger, And the anger in and of itself was indifferent, but my mind associated it with a heavy-hearted household. The, The emotions themselves didn't have a motive, didn't have an intention to come and trash my life or come and get me all riled up or come and et cetera. Emotions in and of themselves had no motive. But what I but the associations I made with my emotions, the the mental associations I made with my emotions created very staunch and very powerful karmic propensities that had an emotional element, but the core of it was my mind. So let's go back to under underwater welding. If you're indifferent to underwater welding in this moment, there's there's not a history, there's not a emotional disposition, there's not a mental bias or posture yet. You can imagine uh, 
a, a field of light, like uh, what a light bulb gives off. It's just e- nice, even light in all directions. And we can think of that as consciousness. But when we posture, when we posture, boy, time's flying. When we posture, we create a standing wave of energy. You might consider this the original sin. We create a standing wave of energy in our psyche because now we're opinionated and and we can have emotional reactions to the argument of who makes the best welding stick for underwater welding. We postured as our mind learned and created preferences and developed a skill set, we created a posture of under, underwater welding and fast forward a, a year, three or five, and now we're now we're arguing or we're debating about underwater welding. So we took on karma. I know under underwater welding is um, well. I'm assuming underwater welding welding is not in everybody's uh, wheelhouse, and I chose that for a reason. But you can see that the reactive patterns are not from the emotions themselves, but what our mind, what our mind constructed, mental constructs. I, I chose an indifferent example. So, um, and years ago, at least a decade, probably 15, maybe more than that, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this karma stuff. And uh, I'm a chief engineer at a TV station, and I'm like, uh, hmm, huh, huh, posturing. When we posture with what is, when we posture with what is, we create a standing wave of energy and that creates a karmic momentum or a karmic perpetuation. Hmm. Huh. Shucks. <laughs> so I'm the chief engineer. I'm the department head. And I'm like, well, damn, it's real important that we do everything, quote, right, unquote. What frequency are we broadcasting on? Well, the visual carriers at 55.25 megahertz. And the RL carriers at 59.75, because that's what the TV sets are, are going to expect. So it's real important that we're right, that our frequency is correct, the power level is correct, the modulation scheme is correct, the chroma levels, blah, 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 blah. Have to be right, have to be right, have to be right. Posture, posture, posture. And I thought, huh. There has to be some karma with posturing, with being right. So I'm my own favorite guinea pig. I thought there has to be power in being wrong. Well, wait, being wrong? Who would who who in their right mind would actively pursue being wrong? I mean, that's just boneheaded stupid, right? There's a posture right there. <laughs> Being right is important. What side of the street you you driving on? How much medication are you going to take tonight? These things are important. Being right is critical. Being right is important. It's righteousness. We have to do it right or the card will tip over. Posture, posture, posture. Posture, posture, posture. Posture, posture. So I went in. I went to work, and and I'm standing in front of the department. I'm like, "Hey, I screwed up uh, the the scheme we're looking at for the HD audio. That's not going to work. We're going to have to rethink this. I messed up. I apologize for that. Um, but we we do need to rethink this. And I remember seeing people's faces. They're like, "What? What did he just say?" And at first, not much happened. 
And then the next department head meeting came and I said, oh, and and I was wrong. This is, uh, I messed up here. This is all, this is all my fault. I made a mistake. I, I, I am wrong. And now they're noticing a pattern. And as more and more department meetings came by, they noticed that, well, hell, being wrong is not such a big deal. And for a while, <laughs> for, a, for a while, I thought, row, row, I think I broke it. Um, because when I made it okay for me to be right, I made it okay for everyone, uh, I'm sorry, when I made it okay for me to be wrong, I made it okay for everyone to be wrong. And uh, the most curious thing happened. Typically when I'd ask for input, there were there were the employees that were the mavericks, they could handle it, you know, I could give them any tasks, they would go and handle it. And then there was people that never contributed. They never opened their mouth, they just, they were silent. And then everybody started asking questions, not all at once, but typically they'd be really kind of shy-like and they're like, uh, well, I don't know if this would work or not, um, um, but could we do this? And people that would have never suggest anything in a department head meeting was putting some skin in the game. And the one that really blew me away is they come in in the morning and say, you know, I was thinking about this problem last night at home. I'm like, what? But by being right all the time, they didn't have any skin in the game. Their opinions were risky. And to, to wrap it up, the morale skyrocketed. Everybody was coming in and they were talking about stuff and it totally engaged in the problem, whatever problems. And the morale of the, of the department went up three, four, five clicks and everybody was much happier to be working there. Uh -huh. By being right, at the expense of being wrong, it had it had a chokehold on morale. And the reason I bring this up is there there's so much finger pointing, there's so much uh, division, conservative, liberal, here in the states, Democrat, Republican. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Posture, posture, posture. And in truth, uh, depending on where you were born, so uh, find a find a an element of of modern society where you are you have a a stout opinion and and. The other guys are just flat out wrong. And uh, back up your life before you were even born. And then imagine you chose the other household dynamic to be born into. So now you're being raised on the other side of the proverbial fence. And now you could bump into the equivalent of yourself and you'd be on the other side of the coin. The burning bush said, hey, no, um, it said, uh, I am that I am. I am that I am. Consciousness in and of itself has no predisposed bias. It's, we've, talked, we've talked about the quantum so much on this show over the years. The quantum mirror, the quantum mirror of creation. A mirror, if you look at the quantum field, 
and um, perhaps imagine it as what takes our consciousness and fabricates the matrix or 3D time space for us, a mirror in and of itself has no bias towards any one image. A mirror, to a mirror, all reflections have a merit of one. I am that I am. To the infinite field of potentials, this field of miracles that exists before us now, when you learn how to perform miracles, the physics of miracles will not have changed. It will have been you coming into compatibility with a timeless potential of consciousness. In other words, uh, as we evolve through our spiritual journey, we go through many lifetimes and we load our psyche up. Boy, howdy do we load our psyche up. Um, how many times have you been a soldier in a war? How many times that you had to kill or rob or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, insert karmic tendency here. And if you go over many lifetimes, you can load the vast majority up the vast majority of your consciousness, you can load it up with karmic imprinting. Maybe you see a war vet at the corner and they have a PTSD pretty bad and they're having a hard time holding their attention and if the bus backfires, they'll be confused for 25 minutes. It's a lot of karma. It's a lot of imprinting in their subconscious. Where the hell is the field of miracles there? I suggest the uh, that our subconscious is the... Uh, I would even say the Akashic records... Our Akashic records of the timeline of our soul over many incarnations, the Akashic records are a history of our psyche taking on karmic imprinting, loading our psyche up with karma. And the more we load our psyche, in this case subconscious, up, the less pliable the reflection of the mirror becomes. In other words, our wand quits working. If the vast majority of energy that we're, um, I don't know what the word is, discharging into the quantum field, moment by moment by moment, if the vast majority of that is subconscious, unresolved anger, feelings, emotions, beliefs, thoughts, if the vast majority of our energy is a standing wave of energy in our psyche, the reflection from the mirror will be a standing wave of energy, in other words, quite static. So how do we how do we how do we get back home? How do we get the is flipping wand, does it need batteries? What the hell? I mean, how do we how do we navigate our karma? How do we become conscious of it and through intention and attention, how do we resolve it and remove it from the energetic dialogue we're having with the quantum field. It's like uh, you might have an intention, uh, I want to have more loving relationships. I want to I feel a deeper sense of love in my relationships. And maybe you got a, a ton of anger, a, a lot of junk in your trunk, and you're not aware of it. I would, I would certainly fit that category up 10 years ago. Oh, hell no, I don't have anger. Why would I have anger? I'm an easygoing guy. Why would I have issues with anger when I don't show anger day in and day out? 
Well, I actually had a huge issue with anger, and day by day, I was accumulating more anger, and I wasn't even aware of it. Well, wait, what? Well, your demeanor's happy. Your demeanor's easy going. What the hell are you talking about? Anger's growing. Anger's expanding its presence in your consciousness, in your personal energy persona. What the hell? What the hell? That don't make no sense. You're not showing anger. How can anger be a problem? Because as a kid, as a defense mechanism or a safety mechanism or a tribal agreement with my other family members, we just skip the whole anger card and don't ever initiate, we will not initiate a new encounter with anger. And so probably before I could even language, let alone understand it, that mechanism went in place and here comes my karmic accumulation. Choo-choo! Karmic accumulation over decades and after a few decades of that, I'm on the couch. I'm wiped out. I'm living really, it's like anger is this super strong muscle reaching over my shoulder and just dragging the steering wheel to the left to the right. We're going to be going this way. I was certainly anger's bitch because I was not even aware. I had no clue that anger was a decisive element in my life. I mentioned I was going to talk about early childhood. I was, you know, I was born young. Were you born young? Well, hell, you know, if we were both born young, we could be the same age. When anger came up in my household, it was important that I became invisible. Walking on eggshells. This is another aspect of my family of origin. I did not want to bring attention to myself. The, the the whole evening can go better if we just don't trip dad off. And and uh, I don't want to beat up on dad here because um, as a World War II vet in the Pacific campaign, I I am dumbstruck that he even survived it. Um, I have I have an immense, I have an immense amount of compassion for my father. If I could relive my childhood, I would go. I'd give him a hug every single day. But we didn't do hugs. The I it um. When my soul chose to incarnate into this lifetime, it looked at the family dynamics of possibilities. Michael Newton and uh, Brian Weiss wrote books about this. The soul looks at the family dynamic and chooses karmic imprinting camps. Karmic imprinting environments. So if it was important for me to be invisible when I was a toddler, how do you think I felt decades later when I w- went to publish my first book? What the hell are you doing, Les? Well, I'm going to publish this book I wrote. Uh? How is that a good idea? Do we? I mean, what? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I like... <laughs> Writing your first book is like passing a Cadillac. I mean, it's, it drags you through the weeds. It, it really brings up a lot of subconscious stuff for you. And um, it took me six years to get around to clicking the publish button. Because in my childhood, it was really important that I stay invisible. It's safer if we're invisible. 
you know, I don't, I really don't care how religious or righteous or, um, I don't know, pick a context. Um, well, my household was squeaky clean and there was just no issues. Yeah. How did you fit in? Because in, I would suggest most every household, there was a preferred way to behave and a not so much preferred way to behave. I'm not saying there isn't households that were um, amazingly open to every aspect and posturing wasn't really a thing. And I'm not saying that. I mean, <laughs> I was born in the 60s, man. Groovy. Hey, groovy. Far out, man. Cool. Groovy. So when we load up our our psyche with karma, karma can have many faces, many, many faces, including being right. I, in the last months of uh, last year, I uh, I learned about um, I guess I would say that the depth of karmic imprinting in our psyche. Uh, let's see, how do I convey this? So I think for many people even uh, uh, spiritual um, people who are learning or following their spirituality and they're on their way to enlightenment. I think the, the Akashic records, the... The imprinting, or you, I get, you might say karmic scarring, or like in my dad's example, being thrust into battle, his soul was seared with horror, with no let up for a year and a half. He had uh, five heart attacks. He was he had a tempest of karmic imprinting in his psyche. And he was the foundry, he was the crucible, he he uh tempered me with his fierceness, with his intensity. He tempered my personality. And now I have an intensity all my own. I have a resolve, courage. And I thank my dad for all of that. I have determination. I have resolve. I have um I have a lot of very positive traits that my my father paid for dearly. And I was lucky enough to experience that tempest when I was going through it 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 didn't seem very lucky to me but I see that my soul chose such an intense household that I would learn to be in intense situations and not flinch the uh, I'm very grateful for everything my soul chose about my life, working with high power transmitters helped me understand the spectrum of karmic imprinting on the human persona in a way I never could have wrapped my noggin around. The many faces of karma. Sometimes I think that um, 
I don't I don't know. There's eight billion people on the planet, so anything I say it's only gonna be a subset of a subset, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Imagine a I don't know, a, a landfill, a, a garbage dump for the city of Los Angeles. It's five square miles. It's huge. This is all metaphorical. And Imagine that as being your karma. Now, the vast majority of it, you can't even know that it's there because it's so imprinted in your subconscious. Your your conscious mind has no clue as to the volume, the volume of karmic imprinting in your subconscious that there is to clear out. I mentioned late last year I went through some very intense episodes and I I I don't know, I don't know how to say it I he, uh, he, I changed my relationship with pain hardcore searing pain and I chose to feel it I don't recommend this for beginners but over a couple of a week's time, I discharged so much energy out of my psyche and a big thing changed. A big thing changed in my life. What I had thought of as an intense episode, what I thought of as a, um, I don't know, a, a challenging emotional situation paled in comparison to how much energy I released out of my psyche in those few weeks. I released so much energy out of my psyche and a, a curious thing happened. It's, how, how do I say this? It's like uh, our soul loves us dearly and our, our ego has this relationship with our emotions and our ego's relationship with our emotions tend to be cautious and guarded. That's a pretty safe statement. I see that manifest in people over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And But those episodes, there's nothing wrong here. There's no right or wrong here. But those episodes really don't move that much weight, uh, weight out of the proverbial garbage dump. In other words, we might have a lot of karmic imprinting in our psyche, but when we go to work on it, we're only discharging very small quantities. It's like you're going to the landfill and you really should have a fleet of bulldozers, but you've got a spoon. And and you don't know how big the landfill is and you're taking your spoon and you're going, here I go, here I go, here I go. And that's fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with any of this. Our soul, if we can't choose to go into darkness, how are we going to learn any lessons? The choice to go into darkness is exactly equivalent to any other choice. The mirror doesn't care. The quantum mirror doesn't care. So there's no right or wrong here. I'm not saying you should be this or you should be that. Be whatever the hell you want to be. I don't want any. I mean, what you decide is 100% you. But when I release so much energy over those few weeks, it's like my soul took notice and said, well, hell, well, shucks, some bitch. We could, we could really start making some dents. And it's like I changed my relationship with pain. I changed my relationship with my emotions. You can reprogram your relationship with your emotions today. If you have a long, long history with emotions, it's mental. The 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 phacosis is mental. It's not the emotions themselves. Your emotional problems have nothing to do with your emotions. Your emotional problems have everything to do with your mind's relationship with your emotions. 
But now that I can take on more and more intensity, because I learned about intensity in my family of origin, now when I go to to scrub my psyche, to go into my Akashic records, to discover unresolved pockets of intense karmic energy in my psyche, I can burn that stuff off in volume. That was well over six months ago. And I have a completely different relationship with my karma now. I've 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 had glimpses of just how much junk I have in my trunk. <laughs> and my soul can bring me opportunities where I burn a lot more of it off in a single episode. And so there's a quickening, there's an acceleration that I'm experiencing. And I want to go I want to go look for it. I want to go find it. I want to Show me the junk. Show me the dirt. Show me the pain, the anguish. Because until I recognize it, connect with it, and discharge and release it out of my psyche, that's flat-out karmic momentum. That's an energetic element of my personal energy persona that I'm broadcasting in this now, in this now, in this now, into the quantum field and... Bada boom, bada bing, reality comes back. So by scrubbing my psyche at a, I don't know, more intense, uh, whatever, um, it's like my, uh, how do you say that? Um, My soul is much more interested in my ability to take on new dynamics, new directions, new vectors. It's like before that happened, my ego's relationship with my emotions and my pain kept it at a a pace my ego didn't feel overwhelmed with. And boy, howdy, on this planet, absolutely. Whatever you choose to get through, perfect. Again, 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 there's no right or wrong here. Some people are so loaded up with karma in their psyche, I don't care what they choose. They're they're making it. There's I mean, planet Earth's a tough place. The many faces of karma. So what's the what's the flip side of karma? Enlightenment, dun, da, da, da. enlightenment, perhaps. We've only got a few minutes left, but I'm going to talk about enlightenment real quick. You're you're enlightened now. You've been enlightened every moment of all of time. There's never been a moment you haven't been enlightened. But you're saying, what? No. The thing is that the vibrational frequency of your ego is not in resonance with the enlightened um, center of your being, that infinite field of light at the core of your being. Your ego is not in resonance with that, so you can't see it, so you don't think you're enlightened. Now, you can go visit enlightenment land. You can go pop in and look around. But from my observation, it's not very common that people can stay there. They... they digress again there's a judgment there's no right or wrong but they default back to their original vibration and they lost the connection with the enlightenment i suggest enlightenment with the big e is to clean all all the junk in your trunk clean out your subconscious squeaky clean And now there's no vibration contrary to the enlightened core of your being. 
Jesus uh, went off to the side and he had his friends there and he said, here, hold my beer. And he turns his whole persona into light, L-I-G-H-T. That field of light at the core of our being permeated through his whole whole persona and there was no vibration contrary. So he was able to personify the light at the core of our being. That's the stuff I'm interested in. That's what I'm shooting for. I'm I will I scrub my psyche every day and I will every day for the rest of my life. And uh I want to I want to clean out the closet. I want to clean out the junk in the trunk. So I can embody the light of unconditional love at the core of my being. Does that make sense? Is this helping? What a crazy wild time to be alive. What a perfect time to be alive. Man, you could have studied the human psyche a hundred years ago and got really not much of anywhere to understand the, the mechanics of karma, the mechanics of consciousness, the the experience of being a, a human genome in this, this collective storyline. We haven't even talked about the divine masculine and the divine feminine. which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the power fuel. That's that, that's that um, high-octane consciousness in our psyche. Hey, uh, I want to thank you, the listener. It's been many years many years of bringing guests on the show. We're doing the show by myself like I'm doing tonight. Hundreds and hundreds of episodes. I really try to search out topics and guests that empower you. That by listening to a new human living spiritual podcast, the episode empowers you to show up in your life, empowers you, gives you the tools, gives you the perspective, gives you the understanding that you can make more conscious choices. And All these guests don't mean squat if there's not an audience to listen to them. So I thank you, the listener. One exciting exciting time to be alive, huh? (laughs) Wet cleanup planet Earth. Always a pleasure. Thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Until next time. This has been a New Human Living broadcast. If you're looking for spiritual resources, there's literally hundreds of podcasts just like this one, free online. You can find them at newhumanliving.com. If you sign up for the newsletter, I write a weekly blog that helps you contemplate the nature of nature, contemplate the nature of your own human genome, contemplate your own human potential. How powerful is that? I can say it's powerful because you are powerful. I want to thank you for joining us in tonight's broadcast. I appreciate you, the listener. Until next time, thanks for listening.